Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. my heart I'd like to thank each and every uh, person for committing to be on this special uh, uh, traveller committee to deal with some of the issues that impact uh, uh, for the traveller community. Eileen Flynn, the BBC has described you as one of its most inspiring and influential people of 2020 from right around the globe. You're an activist, you have a degree in community development, you're 31 years of age and you're already a senator. And to top it all off, you are the first member of the travelling community to have a seat in Araractus. It's not bad, is it? No, it's not bad. It, it was kind of a year, you know, you're pinching yourself saying, am I, is it this reality now? Is this what I'm going to be doing for the next uh, three years, you know? And with that, Kara uh, comes an awful lot of, uh, if you want to say, responsibility, you know, um, and uh, like on the 27th of June, my life just um, turned, turned from being a nobody to being a, a somebody. And I always describe myself as, a, as a, an activist politician, you know. From a personal point of view, as Eileen Flynn, how does it feel? Uh, as again, it's like you have to pinch yourself. I haven't been used to being called senator. I know I worked really hard for the seat. It it, it just it it hasn't sunk in yet, if you want. But Eileen, it's been a long journey, I suppose, to get to this point. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to life on Labra Park. What was that like? Valley Farm. It, for me, growing up in a Halton site was freedom. Uh, growing up in a Halton site was. That unique experience, you know, where you always felt safe. They say that it takes a village to rear a child, but it also it takes a hot site to rear a child who's living on a site, you know. And even today, Kara, I see it with my nieces and nephews that live in Labrie today. Like you don't constantly get the playstations and the computers. Children are children are out in all weathers, and that was a lovely experience for me. But that freedom to being able to go into me big mammy house and that's what we'd call my grandmother in Labry in, into me big mammy's house or over to me cousins and extended family it's just you know like the doors are always open like we're we don't see that sense of community even nowadays in Ireland because it's that sense of shame asking for a bowl of sugar or asking for a, for a carton of milk you know and in Labry you can still do that and that's unique about a hot and site still today in 2020 Ireland there's no uh, stigma with uh, um, going to your neighbour for a bit of uh, support you're protected by a whole community of people. And in terms of the quality of life, I suppose you paint a lovely picture there about what life was like. And yet I'd say for a lot of you know, outsiders looking in at a halting site, they mightn't see it like that at all. 
No, and, and a lot of the time, you know, people would say dumping or people would say, you know, it's authority not looking after uh, uh, halting sites the way they should. What did you learn from living on a halting site? And I learned about barriers within inside my own community and outside my own community. And I learned about the inequalities, you know, because when I live, when I go inside of Labry, it was a completely different world than outside, you know. Because of the way society used to look at travellers, I used to be ashamed. And I, regret, I even regret even saying that, you know, but it's the truth. Ashamed. And ashamed of being from the traveller community and the stigma that comes with being a member of the traveller community. And that stigma is, a lot of the time, no matter what a traveller does, we're never going to be good enough. And I understand where a lot of that, if you want to say, oppression comes from. Even members of my own family would say, you know, like you're going to, and you're getting a degree and all this island, but you're never going to be anything. You know, like travellers don't be anything and that's what's bet into us as a community of, of, of people, you know. And again, like you turn on your social media, you see terms like scruffy knackers, um, uh, you know, uh, travellers don't wash their clean people, uh, look at the state of their accommodation, but that's not the traveller community fault, you know, and people don't understand that. So for me, it was that sense of, of shame. You know, ashamed walking back into Labour Park. Yeah, many a time, many, many a time. Yes, society tells you that travellers are no good, unfortunately. You know, and I was 25 when I accepted myself, and when I really said, you know, something. It's not that travellers are not good enough for society. It's that this society is not good enough for travellers, and that was a changing point for me. So there was nine kids in the family, and you were the youngest. You and your twin Sally. Yeah. And were you all living together in a trailer or in one of the houses there? Houses, one of the houses, yeah. With mum and dad? Yes. Tell me what your mum and dad were like. Oh, just brilliant. Absolutely. Like, my, my mother was very, a very proud woman, you know. Um, like, her and my father would do the markets. And a lot of people, even watching your show, would know my mother and father from doing the markets for many years. And... My, my mother wouldn't send us to school unless we had white stockings on our feet, you know. And I remember she'd grub them out and make sure because she didn't want us to be judged going down to the school, you know. And she was just an incredible woman. Even though I only got 10 short years with her, I think I was very influenced by her, you know. She was a very uh, unique, um, a very strong, unique woman who, if she had something to say, she would say it. A strong person. Extreme strong, yes, yeah. And I remember, like, even to the, with the corporation that time, she wasn't uh, afraid of speaking up to the corporation for better living conditions for people on the site and for us included, you know. My mother is my biggest role model and she's a woman that I know who's always with me all the time. And then my father was also a market man, like, you know, we did the markets. I remember selling books in the market years, going back over 20 years ago as well, and it was a... Uh, um, 20, 20p a book or um, five for a pound. <laughs> but, you know, it, it all built me up to be the woman I am today. Your mum must have had her hands full. You know, she had herself, your dad and nine children. Life must have been tough enough for her. Yeah, but life, I think life can be very tough for many traveller women, you know, and I talk very proud about her when I do speak about her because she's just such a special woman, you know, and 
again with nine of us like but we always had full and plenty of everything she died at 48 years of age you know and such a young woman who had so much to give still to the world and you know she she was just I, I, I couldn't even describe how incredible she was and she had a lot of good teachings you say yeah like, what did she teach you as a mum you know just to be respectful and as well, like I remember, she'd always have a saying, and anyone that would know me, even for the last 10 years of activism, I would always say her quote. And that quote is, nobody knows the shoe is cutting them, only the person that's wearing them, you know? Or she'd always say, don't judge a person because that can be you. Tell me about the day that she did pass away. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was in school, and I remember my sister coming to the door to school, and. Like, you know, I had a bit of a, an argument with her a few days before she went into hospital. And um, I always live with that regret, you know. And I think for me, it was the regret of never telling her how much I loved her, you know. And knowing then that, like we always say that, she went into hospital and she never came out, you know. She went in on a, a Tuesday and buried... Uh, by the end of the week, you know, and it was just, yeah, and as a young child growing up with that, but, you know, I'll never forget her, and every single day I think about her, and she was just more, more than an incredible woman, and even though it's over 20 years, but I miss her presence every single day, and she was just, she was just brilliant, yeah. So oh, I'm sorry, it's, no, it's, she's had a huge impact on you. Yeah, I hope someday to write a book about her. <laughs> At the age of 10, could you really understand what was happening? I like, you know, being told that you're never going to see your mother again. And then for me, it didn't really sink in. I didn't have it, I didn't, I didn't have time to let it sink in because she died on the 12th of October and I was in a serious bad accident on the 22nd of October where I was in intensive care and, and I was on life support machine and I was really sick and I didn't realise she was, you know, I didn't get to breathe, I didn't get to cry, I didn't get to feel all the emotions that she was gone because of my own health um, uh, problems. So I was about, <laughs> actually, I was 16 when I really realised my mother was dead. That's when it hit you? That's when it hit me. I'll never forget it. I was driving back, I used to take really bad panic attacks and I was driving back from Galway from a student exchange and um, in Galway, I remember saying to uh, Jerry McCarthy, who was a youth worker, to stop the car. And I got out in the middle of the, the M50 the or whatever it was, and I just sobbed and just cried and cried and cried. And my twin sister was like, Eileen, what's wrong with you? And I said, Mommy is dead. And she goes, Well, she's been dead for the last six years, you know. And she just, but I never really felt it until that Sunday that I was 16. Yeah. As a child, my mother would always say to me, blowing out someone else's candle, Eileen, won't make yours uh, shine any brighter. And she was right, it won't make mine shine any brighter. It's about helping others that will make your candle uh, uh, shine brighter. Any experience I had being sick as a child, the one person you want, and I think every child around the world is the same, is Mammy. You always want Mammy when you're not well. Every operation I ever woke up after, first person I looked for was my mother, yeah. 
going back to Labra Park and your childhood, it's clear that sort of within Labra Park you felt safe and then there was the whole world outside of Labra Park, which doesn't sound like it was quite as safe for you. So was primary school a good experience? Yeah, I, I loved it, uh, primary school. I also loved the secondary school. Now, obviously, my, my class friends were all very, very nice. You know, they're all Valley Farmers, working class women, if you want. If, was it if, easy to make friends? Yeah, I, I would have, it would have been easy, very easy to make friends, but I took on the mother role for Sally when, when we were in school, you know, into washing the uniforms, uh, tying the tie, making sure we were okay, while I'd be a little bit, if you want to say, a rebel and wearing me tracksuit bottoms or wearing me jeans and you know that wasn't appropriate and the teachers would always be saying oh, you're not allowed to wear them and whatnot and if you want to say you know I was I was the class clown to be honest I was the class clown and I've got into trouble like well I got into trouble many a time and to be fair to the teachers they were always easy-ish on me you know while you'd give out to me and stuff but I was suspended eight times can I ask what you were suspended for? I was suspended many a time for telling the teacher to F off. I was suspended for giving out because a teacher would be giving out to Sally. I once thrown a bottle of coke <laughs> at a girl in the class because she called us knackers. You know, you can only be experienced nasty comments for such like until it all bottles up and then you do uh, retaliate back towards the nasty comments and it is very hurtful to use that term to any member of the travel community because we know that it's not it's not a nice word to use towards anybody but especially not towards members of the traveller community because it's it's used in a in a nasty way and and you do re like if you want to say look back in reflection and say that wasn't the way forward however when you're going through those moments of negativity in your life and, you know, thinking that you're never going to be seen any better than, than, than an acker, you know, you do retaliate back against it, you know. So in those times when you were suspended and you would be at home, I mean, was your dad checking in? Was he asking you, you know, what's going on at school? Uh, honestly, no. You know, he, he wasn't. He, he would always say, don't be bowed to the teachers and that there would be it, you know. Uh, but he wouldn't be checking in, why are you not at school today? No, no, he wouldn't be checking in saying why you weren't at school today or anything of the sort. So, and it wasn't like he valued education. I know that for a fact. And he was big into politics, wasn't he? Yes, very big into politics. He loved it, his politics. We, every single day when we'd come back from school, it was the six o'clock news and whoever was in the house would have to sit and watch the news because my father always felt it was important that we knew what was going on in the world, you know. And Sally, like Sally, having Sally, I, if Sally wasn't in school, and didn't love school so much I don't think I would have completed it you know but then I got to love school when I got into fortune you know that kind and of what way. changed I, I think it was that proving everybody wrong you know I think it was that I like you know including the teachers not that they ever said that I had to prove them wrong or anything I think sometimes we have this image that traveler girls will just go off and get married anyway and don't fa and I think for me it was about you know like that's not the way it is for every traveller woman you know and I used to go to school to say to get me out of the house. Why know? was that? 
get me something, give me something to do when I when I got older. Like just give me. I used to love the chats then with the teachers when I came. Sixteen, seventeen was the was the chats. And you did your leaving cert applied, but so few traveller men or women, Eileen, do complete secondary school. The figures are incredibly low, aren't they? And I'm wondering why you think that is. Um, oh, yeah, just just thirteen percent of the uh, traveller community finish uh, secondary school, and like my theory on that is that you know you're in a classroom by yourself where you're if you want to say your vice you always feel less you know Kara and unfortunately that's just how it is as a member of the traveller community many many no matter where you are sometimes you can be made feel less or see yourself as less and low self-esteem and everything else that goes with that and for me it was much easier to complete school because I had Sally you know the two of us would push each other to keep going and, and everything else that goes with it and I think that's what made it much easier my journey much easier in, in school was was having Sally for a lot of travellers, again, as I said, it's 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 that aloneness, it's that not being understood within, like, and then afraid that you'll get the answer wrong because your perspective on it is not as important as the settled children in the classroom, and like, you know, without really going into politics, Collect Callagher has. Um, published a bill around uh, the traveller history and a cultural uh, bill and basically at the moment I'm trying to get that to pass at the uh, at Dahl stage and to get it to make it mandatory within the education system that traveller history and culture is taught within our education system and that may help any member of the traveller community to feel a part of belonging you know, within the education system. And I suppose people watching tonight won't understand what it is to feel different. And you say you do feel different. Yes, yes, 150%. And it's, it's no harm in feeling different. We are different. And our difference should be celebrated. However, we should be treated with equal value. Is there an issue too, Eileen, that at home, that traveller children aren't being supported by their parents to stay in education? I think that's what people think. Like, that's what, just, that's what people in the general population do think. And I can honestly say that's not the truth. Like, in, 19, in the early 60s in Valley Farmers, there was a, a Traveller Pacific school set up, and the Traveller community set up that school themselves, you know? So we do know that travellers va value education. And I think all tra young travellers can get through the system, but they need to be valued within the system. With education, we have to be, we have to look what comes after it. You can go on to third level education. Will, will you get a job? Over 80% of the uh, traveller community are unemployed. Will you get a job? Can you be open about your identity? You know? And the reality is you can't. Like, <laughs> I remember when I, was in, uh, when I was in college, I wanted to do the thesis, and my piece of research was going to be on can a traveller be Taoiseach? and live in a hot site. And what a brilliant question. People, and I won't say, I won't sit here and say, oh yes, you can be anything once you put your mind to it. Actually, you can't. 
The reality of it is you can't. You have your address, you have your background. You, yeah, there's obstacles in life for everybody, more so for people of the traveller community. We're labelled each time you go on to social media, you see these nasty, horrible comments about traveller community. What is that judgment? What do you think some of the stereotypes are? Oh, you know, like uh, dumping. Rubbish would be one, and I'm, even as a as a senator, local authorities are trying to clamp down on people from the general population coming and dumping uh, around halting sites and stuff. You know, uh, other stereotypes. You know, uh, don't go, don't go to don't go to school. Uh, don't want, to, don't want to work. Don't like. Obviously, we want to work. Only one in five of those travellers are in employment. So why are eighty percent not? In the survey, 2017 survey, it shows that over, I'm sure it's 90% of people wouldn't employ a member of the traveller community. And I don't know why, like, you know, you could even have the qualification, but because you're a member of the traveller community, you're not getting the job, you know? And, and you and think it's that simple? You, you are a traveller, you have a traveller's halting site address, end of application. End of, end of. And now I do know it's changing nowadays that you don't have to put your address on your uh, CV. You don't have to even put your gender on, on your CV now if you choose not to, you know. I have spoken in this house about the urge of uh, hate crime uh, legislation and I welcome the opportunity to address this important subject again. I came into the Shannet with the hope that I would help to break down barriers for, for the traveller community and for all people at the edges of Irish society. I, I believe um, in inclusive and effective hate crime legislation must be part of this. Can I ask you then about traveller crime rates? Because I know in the past you've sort of linked the education and the employment or the lack of employment, I suppose, Eileen, with traveller crime rates. Do you accept that crime rates are higher among the travelling community? I think when we talk about among the traveller community, we're talking about 1% of the population. We're talking about less than Croke Park being full, like, you know, there's only less than 40,000 travellers in Ireland, which wouldn't even co uh, uh, cover all of Croke Park, you know. I do accept that it's high within the traveller community. And the reason why we have to ask ourselves the question, why? You know, if over 90% of employers wouldn't apply a traveller person, you know, you ask yourself the question why. Again, it goes back to education. It goes back to the equality of opportunities. And again, uh, Kira, we have to look at the general population. The crime rate in the general population is also very high. If, you know, if a man is up for murder in the settled community or up for any kind of, even a petty crime, a serious crime, the whole community don't be labelled. Within the traveller community, one person steps out of line everybody steps out of line, which is very disheartening. They're all tired with the one brush. Yeah, yeah. A young traveller man said to me, <coughs> going back a few weeks ago, he is in a bit of uh, uh, petty crime, right? And he said to me, you know something, Eileen? He said, as soon as I walk into that courtroom, he said, I'm found guilty. And I got a lump in my throat and I said to him, you know, you're right. You are found guilty because you're guilty just for being a traveller person. And that there's the reality of a care. But do you accept, Eileen, that 
you say travellers are 1% of the population, mm -hmm. but when you look at the prison numbers, 20% of prisoners in female prisons are travellers. So it's utterly disproportionate. Yeah, and I've had the privilege to work along with uh, um, uh, prisoners from the traveller community who are members of the traveller community. And, you know, some of those women are in there for not having tax, not having insurance, and also for not even paying the TV licence, you know? So, like, when you talk about serious crimes and the crime rates, we're also talking about those, those very petty crimes, if you want. Uh, again, the TV licence. Uh, you know, I spoke to a woman in, uh, in, in the Dorcas Centre when I had the privilege to be in there, who was in there for not having tax insurance. You know, now I'm not condoning the behaviour and I really need to stress that, you know. But again, Kara, like that there's 20% in the women's prison. Again, you have to ask yourself why. You know, and it's, it's the same, and I'm not trying to excuse the, the, the bad behaviour because it happens in all communities. I'm not, and I don't So you don't necessarily accept that it's a bigger problem in the traveller community? I don't accept it. Like, if we look at the population within the settled community, there's also, so we're saying that there's 20% of, uh, of, 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 of the prison uh, who are travellers. What's the other percent? And what other communities are they from? I just know people are going to be watching this, Eileen, and they're going to be saying. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. She's not taking responsibility for this at all. It's, you know, it's society's problem or it's the court's problem or it's employer's problem. You know, there's no looking within the community. So what do you say to that? First thing I'm going to say, I will not take responsibility for it because I'm one individual and I can't take responsibility for, for people who, who, who commit crimes. That, that's not, and that's not my job. Like, I'm not a guard, I'm not a judge. So that's how I, I can't. But I can look at some of the root causes, you know. And I'm, again, I'm not excusing it. I am saying that it shouldn't happen, that it's, you know, if somebody uh, does a crime, you do the crime, you do the time you move on from it, you know what I mean? And, and, and again, like, there's great people in our society, Kara, who are from the settled community, who are from all walks of life that did uh, crime, you know, and turned their lives back around. And I believe that many traveller people can turn their life back around as well if they're given that opportunity to do so.
Tell me about Liam, your husband. Where did you meet him? I met Liam well, about eight years ago at a protest and we were never together or anything like that. We were friends and basically I was the only member of the Traveller community that was there and uh, met Liam there, speaking to him for less than five minutes, left the protest and became friends with him on Facebook. Never spoke to him again until um, May of 2017 and uh, then we, we got together in July and got married the year after. So did he make an impression the first time you met him or did you make an impression on him? I think it was both. <laughs> he, uh, Liam is very um, uh, political aware, like myself, you know, with an awful lot of things to talk about. Now look, like that, a bit like me and my father, we can be very different political views around many different uh, issues, but we get on really, really well, you know, and he's a great father to Billy, a great uh, person to me. He's, he's just, he's really, really good. Like, I always say, I never got the man I wanted, I got better. But he had a very different upbringing to you, didn't he? He grew up in Donegal, in Ardra, yeah. that area, uh, which I know well. And he's a member of the settled community. Yes, yeah. So was his background totally different to yours? Uh, yes and no, because he comes from rural Ireland, which is similar backgrounds to the traveller community. Um, you know, like I remember when I first moved to Donegal, it was, if you want to say, no different than Labry. You know, people would come in and tea and biscuits and cakes and sit around and you know in the evenings after work like and a game of cards and stuff and it's it's a way of life being from rural Ireland as well and for me it's just a lovely way of life and Ardra is a town where if you want to say like not like they accepted me for who I am you know. And did you ever brought it up that you were a traveller? Oh, yeah. Were you nervous about telling him that you were a traveller? I never had to say it because I was at a point in my life where I was sick of it, where I was sick of having to prove who I was as a woman, as, as a traveller woman. And with Liam I didn't. And that's how I knew he was the one. Who gave you away on your wedding day? My brother. Yeah. Because unfortunately at that point your father had also passed away. Yeah. So your mum was 48 and your dad was 65 and he passed away from cancer, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. he died 12 years after she did. And you were in your early 20s and had lost both parents? Yeah, I, I think you only miss your parents when they're gone, you know, and that big influence they have in your life. Do people just assume, Eileen, because you're a traveller you had a big wedding? Yes, I, I actually, Donegal weddings are big. Okay, <laughs> like I remember when we went to book our hotel, um, uh, when Liam was like 250 people, I was like, what the hell, 250 people, which is a big wedding, you know, and Liam was like, this is normal in Donegal. As a young woman who's just had a baby and, and has suffered from uh, postnatal depression, uh, I can categorically tell you that the services for uh, women who's going through um, who's going through prenatal depression is not really visible in Ireland, and especially for women at the very end of Irish society. Tell me about having Billy. Yeah, I. Uh, I had Billy four weeks early. She was a surprise. I went to a protest <laughs> an hour before I had her. And I went back to the hospital just to get a scan. I was going home and they told me she was going to be born. I was just stunned and panicked, but I didn't have time to panic, you know, because she was in distress. Um, 
So when I came back from the protest an hour later, I had a little girl. And after I had Billy, I did, I took to motherhood like a duck took to water. But I will, there is a but in there, and that but is that it was harder than I thought, you know. And being a first time mother, and I imagine even being a mother three, four times, it's always going to be a unique experience for all women. And for me, I guess, not having my mum with me was, was very, very tough. And like Liam's mother is the best in the world and his sisters and stuff, but it's not, it wasn't the same, you know, it wasn't the same. And if you want to say feeling a bit sorry for myself for not having her uh, with me uh, during those uh, times. And, you know, I struggled for months after I had Billy with potentate depression and it's something we don't speak about, like, but within the traveller community as a whole, mental health is a big, issue that we don't speak about, that we don't see, like, you know, traveller women are six times more likely to die by suicide than women in the general population. Traveller men seven times more likely to die by suicide than men in the general population. And those statistics with themselves are very worrying, you know. And had you had to deal with anxiety and depression before you were pregnant and had believed? I would have had anxiety. And had you always wanted children? Uh, yeah, but I never imagined myself being lucky enough to be a parent. I remember being so hurt and upset with myself and with the world because Billy was underweight and I just felt like, like when I say underweight, she was born to over four pounds, you know? And I felt like a really bad person. I felt that I wasn't good enough for Billy or I wasn't good enough for my husband. And I would have laid out a lot of um, iron tablets, you know, like for, for your iron levels and stuff. And I knew if I took them that you were no way back, you know. And that knock came to the door by a friend of mine in Donegal take. And only for that knock and only that he came in, I wouldn't be here today. And I know that life is extremely short and... Precious. Yeah, and while we're in it, while we have to enjoy it, yeah, we try to be in it for the better good, you know, the better good. And when you were feeling like that, who were you able to speak to? I, I didn't speak to the hospital because I was afraid. I was very afraid of, of case... Billy was took off me or whatever, you know, and very nervous. Um, I spoke to a psychotherapist, you know, it worked for me and was a lifesaver for me. And again, after Christmas, I was kind of coming out of the depression, you know. The postnatal depression. Yeah, after Christmas, I had Billy into September, but I struggled the whole way throughout my pregnancy with it. And what was your fear, Eileen? My fear was, you know, something happening to Billy. And... We do know that, um, you know, um, cot deaths are very common, well, more common in the traveller community. And um, stillborn babies are very are common in the traveller community also. So they were my first. And do you think a lot of the trauma that you'd experienced between losing your mum, the car accident, and losing your dad, do you think that was all coming out at that time too? Yeah, but see, Kara, when you're so used to bad things happening in your life, you know. You find it very hard to accept when good things happen. Because you're so used of 
been, if you want to say, like pushing things back and, you know, and, and it was that kind of fear that came about for me. You were used to things going wrong as yeah. opposed to going right. Yeah, yeah. And even when I was pregnant and Billy, I was just waiting for things to go wrong. Why are the suicide rates so much higher among the travelling community? What do you put that down to? I genuinely don't know. Again, Kara, there's so much, there's so much oppression you can take. And remember, from the moment you're born, as a member of the traveller community, you're being judged. All the big issues that we see within the general population also impact the members of the traveller community. Obviously, alcoholism, uh, drug uh, misuse, all these issues we also have within the traveller community. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank um, Taoiseach, uh, Michal Martin for the nomination and uh, Eamon Ryan and uh, Leo Baracker as well for this uh, nomination for me to be the traveller person that's here today. Tell me about the moment that you got that call from Michal Martin to say that <laughs> you were one of the Taoiseach's nominees to the Senate. I, I would say I was extremely sh uh, shocked, you know, because I did leave my phone free, thinking maybe, maybe not, you know, that kind of way. And I think a lot of people left their phones free that day because expecting the call. But when I got it, I nearly died. I like, I genuinely nearly just collapsed. I was just, so I was like, T-shocked, and I was like, Michal. I was just like, what, what will I even call him, you know? So I was delighted, absolutely delighted. And again, you know, telling Liam was just, it's such a lovely experience, you know. And you went back to Labra Park, didn't you? Yes, yes. I went back to Labry the we uh, after the weekend and everybody was overwhelmed. And you still go back to Labry. I mean when you're up in Dublin, you know, Monday to Friday in the Senate, that's where you stay, yes. back in Labry Park with family. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where you want to be. That's ex I wouldn't have it. And I know like but that's where I'm born, Bert, you know, and why people judge Harton sites and judge people that's in Harton sites. For me, it's just such a lovely experience. I go home and I could be up till one o'clock in the morning having great conversations with my family, with extended family. Back and in Labry. In Labry, the conversations that you wouldn't have, that you wouldn't have in the Aractus or anywhere else, you know. I feel most me at home in Donegal with my husband and my child as well, you know. But when I'm in Dublin, I'm not going to say in a hotel or say when I f with a friend when I have my my home in, in, uh, in uh, Bally Farmers. I, c I couldn't, like, it, it would make me feel disgenuine as a person. Over 30 years, Travellers has uh, fought to be around uh, the political table and it's brilliant now that there's finally a voice in the Senate Aaron for a member of the Traveller community, but also that unique voice, a voice in the Senate for those at the very end of Irish society. So I look very forward to being that voice for those at the end of society. So, What is it like being in the Arctis? Uh, <laughs> I, Honestly. It'll, it'll take me a little bit of time to get used to, you know, again, being called senator. Um, it's, it's been more positive for me personally uh, than negative. I had one negative experience where a senator told me I was a token seat, but I don't buy that myself, you know. I know I worked really hard for, for that seat. Like, Is it I ever a bit overwhelming? 
yeah, 100%. Like, I feel that sometimes I have the responsibility of 40,000 people on my shoulders, you know. And not only am I a national senator, my heart is representing the traveller community, my own community, that's my heart. And then other marginalised communities, migrant uh, people, people uh, in, in, in direct provision, Muslim people, people who are seen as the others in the world, they're the people I want to represent. Like, I always believe that, you know, you speak your truth, you speak from real life experience, you can't go wrong, you know, and that's what I'm bringing. I am bringing that uniqueness to the Shannon, and I am bringing the voice of the traveller community and the marginalised communities in Ireland. I didn't get my deceit uh, from any traveller national organisation, from any uh, individual traveller. I got deceit for the work that I've done over the last 10 years, and I've got deceit on my own merit, you know, but I don't want to be pigeonholed where other senators are not and, and, and um, deputies, uh, TDs are not taking that shared responsibility because it shouldn't be just left to one senator anyway. But another key issue for you is looking at domestic violence and looking at refuge and the spaces available, the safe spaces for women. That's also very important to you. Why yeah, is that? That's very, very important for me because I've seen, Kara, uh, many women being refused uh, refuge from the traveller community because they've got too much kids, because uh, one of the children probably was uh, misbehaving in the refuge. And like I remember one case where a woman was told that she's barred from the refuge, you know? Now there's many, like, we have to be very realistic, okay? There is refuges there. But the government needs to invest in, in these refuges. And they shouldn't be just a space where a woman can go to for two, three to six weeks. These should be spaces that women can thrive in for six months to a year, you know, where women get to rehabilitate. Living in a domestic violence situation, some women could be in those situations for 20 years and deciding to get away now, just for example, they're not going to be able to do it all by themselves in six weeks. They're going to need counselling. They're going to need numerous amount of support and they're going to need that safe space where they can thrive in, in, in society themselves, you know. And I know among the traveller community that is a huge issue. Does it frighten you that as a traveller woman or a woman within you know, a traveller relationship or that environment is 30 times more likely to be the victim of domestic abuse? Yes, I think one out of every five women go through um, domestic uh, abuse, and let's be honest, it also happens to men as well in some uh, in some circumstances. Uh, it's not acceptable within the traveller community. While it happens in the traveller community, just like it happens in every other community. What would you say then, Aileen, to people who say, "Look, it's just a more violent culture"? I don't accept that the traveller community are a more violent community than the community from the general population. I, I will say I haven't got the answers to that, you know, like I, I haven't got the answers for it, but I will say the majority of travellers that I know don't accept it. They don't accept no, it and it's seen as wrong. It and it's seen as wrong. 
Our report uh, this week uh, shows the need for government support to, to make sure uh, all women have equal access to domestic violence services. Some barriers that face women on a daily basis to escape uh, from domestic violence, some of those barriers are cultural barriers and uh, practical barriers. Not having money, not having uh, a, a car to be able to escape if you're living in rural Ireland, not having supports to get to a safe uh, uh, refuge. Are you a happy person? Eileen, are you happy now? Yes, I've, do you know, for a woman who's been through a hell of a lot, I think it's okay to be human, you know what I mean? I really do. I, I, love, uh, I love life, I love my family, my husband, my child, you know, I love going out uh, when you can go out. Um, right now, I think it's a very difficult time for us all. What do you wish for your daughter, Billy, now? Uh, do you know, Kara, I wish that Billy doesn't have to go through half of the shit that I had to experience in life, you know, and that's down to being experienced discrimination, prejudice, not feeling worthy, not feeling good in a room when you go into a room feeling less. I hope Billy never has to experience that. I hope Billy will get all the equality of opportunities to be able to be successful in, in, in the education system, in college and to get a job. And again, College is not the be all and end all. If Billy doesn't want to go to college, I will not force her to go but to college. But it's equality for you. Yeah. That's what the tattoo says, isn't it? Oh, yes. My tattoo is uh, equality. Yeah. And it's just, it means so much, like that equality of opportunity. And it's not about forcing people. It's about if people want to do something, that they have that equal chance to be able to do it. And if your mum was here now, and I know you have her on a picture around your neck and your dad too, if your mum was here now, what do you think she'd say? I, I actually don't know. Do you know, my, my mother and father would be very, uh, I don't know, they probably would have never thought I'd be, uh, I'd be in the house of the Arctis. <laughs> probably never, you know, but uh, I'd imagine they would be extremely proud, yeah, extremely proud. Senator Eileen Flynn, thanks so much for speaking to me. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks very much, Karen. Thanks for giving me the opportunity, so thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.